Hi, this is Pastor Austin from Connection Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our services, you can go to ConnectionNYC.com or check us out at ConnectionNYC on Instagram. Hope you enjoy it and hope to see you soon. So Psalm chapter 2, not Psalm chapter 2, Psalms are not chapters. It is Psalm 2. Just a little Bible trivia for you there. It's not a chapter, it is a, its own psalm. So Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm, which means it is a, a, a written as a projection, prediction, prediction, a prophecy that the Messiah is coming. It's a very powerful song, so it's messianic. Today we're talking about uh, our purpose as a church again. We've, this is completing our series on our vision. Our vision is connecting people to Jesus and one another. Purpose literally is defined as the reason for which something is done or the reason for which something is created or the reason is something for which it exists. And we, as a church, believe our vision is connecting people to Jesus and one another. If we're not helping, if we're not connecting people to Jesus, then we're not a church. A church connects people to Jesus. That's, by definition, what a church is. We exist as the body of Christ, and so we're to be connecting ourselves and others to Jesus. So if we're not doing that, we're not a church. We're just an organization. We're also designed to connect people to one another in healthy relationships. And so if we're not helping relationships happen in this realm, and not just with our relationship with God, but among people, then we're not a good church, we're not a healthy church. And so today we're talking about connecting people to one another, part two. So the first week we talked about connecting ourselves to Jesus. The second week was how do we help others connect to Jesus? more evangelistic. Last week, we talked about how do we help form healthy relationships, what builds relationships up, what tears them down. And today, uh, we're building off of that to focus more on, on a little bit more on uh, how do we know what our role is in helping others connect. How do we help people connect to other people? What's our role in that? I want to uh, you probably know this word already, but control variable. A control variable is quite useful and relevant for research studies. I don't know if you know much about studies, but I have learned a lot recently, especially when it comes to food studies and how deceptive they can be because if a company is wanting you to buy their product, they're going to go out and try to find all kinds of studies that show this product will help you lose weight. This product will help you uh, with mental health. This product will help you do all these things. You'll, you'll feel great in no time. They want those studies to show you that if you buy and use their product and eat that product, it will uh, change your life forever. So a control variable is, is technically anything that is held constant in that study. Anything that is uh, limited in a research study. So the variable is not itself of interest in the study as objective. So it is not a what is being studied, but it is something that is controlled because it could influence the outcomes. A lot of the food um, research studies are, um, are really terrible. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not worth the, the, the paper they're printed on. Because they will go back and they'll say, okay, they'll give surveys to people. If I gave you all surveys and said, over the last 12 years, how many times did you eat red meat? And you would have to remember all the times you ate red meat. Do you think you could really figure out accurately how often you ate red meat? 
Well, a lot of these studies are, are based on that type of variable of you remembering all the meals you've had over the course of 10 years. And that's just crazy. So a control variable is, is something like a, that is controlled, and that is lacking a control variable. So here's an example. Does soil quality affect plant growth? Soil, the quality of the dirt, does it affect plant growth? So three control variables, variables would be this. The temperature. I can control what temperature it is in that area. I can control the amount of light the plant gets, and I can also control the amount of water that it gets. I can, those are the things that I can control to affect, um, uh, to limit the effect of that on the chain. So what I want to say is that you, when it comes to your relationships with other people, if we were to do a study, a control variable that you have control over is, is you. You're the only person in a relationship that you have control over. So if you're wanting control in areas of your life, this is one area where you have a lot of control as to how you act, how you behave, what your priorities are. You, no matter what you, how much you desire, you have no power to change other people. You can't affect change in their lives. In fact, people only change when they are ready to change and genuinely want to change. So you got to be ready, and you got to genuinely want to change. So the question I have for you is, do you want better relationships? Yes or no? Yes, you do. I want better relationships. So I'm encouraging you to take your prayers and focus them on Jesus and pray things like this. Jesus, how do you need to change me in order to affect change around me? In the relationships that I'm part of, how do I need to change in order to see that relationship get healthier. Don't twist this into that it's always, I'm saying it's always your problem in a relationship. I'm not saying that you stay in bad relationships or be a victim. But I am saying that there is, we have responsibility on how we act and how we think and what we say. And so how can I change to be like Jesus? So I think the first thing is we need to see a progression. So there's three words today that if we can understand a progression that we are either making or we've already made, it will help us get into a healthier spot. And those three words are rebel, refugee, and royalty. That's the progression. We're going to go from rebel to refugee to royalty. And we can see that happening here in Psalm 2. We'll start with this. Number one, rebel. This is kind of a fun stage to be in at times. If sin weren't fun, if it didn't have something that was attractive, we wouldn't struggle against it. If it didn't give some form of benefit, it would be easy to walk away from. But being a rebel doesn't end well. So here's what Psalm chapter, excuse me, Psalm 2 verses 1 and following says, Why do the nations conspire and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed. And this is what they're saying. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. So there's this rebellious spirit and God is aware of this happening. There is the, the world is conspiring against the Lord. And the, we saw this in our spiritual warfare um, sermon series that we just went through. And it was 
apparent and very clear that there is an enemy that we have, and that enemy is Satan. And he is um, inspiring and conspiring against, inspiring rebellion and conspiring against God in his own way. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the God of this age is Satan. And what he's done is blinded the minds of unbelievers, and they're not able to see the light of the gospel. So we, before Christ, are rebellious against him. So we have been rebels. We've been blind to that. And God's response to that is is very clear. It says in, in Psalm 2, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. It's kind of like a almost like a blooper reel. Do you like watching blooper reels? I, I follow the office blooper reels on Instagram, and it just brings joy to my... It just makes me laugh so much. And it's not the same kind of laughter. This is the kind of laughter like, seriously? You're conspiring against me. And so God is, is laughing. He's scoffing at them. And then he, that, that laughter, that absurdity, turns into rebuke. He rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath saying this, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. So rebellion leads to God mocking it. It doesn't do any good. We don't have any power over God. And it leads to God mocking that. And also God declaring, hey, all right, now I've had enough. I've got some anger over this and some wrath, and it's about to get real. All right? So that leads to a wake-up call, which leads us to understanding that we need to find refuge. So the second part is this awareness that my rebellion, rebellion has caused wrath, the wrath of God to be solely and justifiably on me, that I have been rebellious, and I deserve God's wrath. I need to be a refugee. I understand the gospel. I understand the need for a Savior, and my eyes are opened. Because of my eyes being opened and realizing that there's a penalty to pay, there's a warning. It says, therefore, Psalm chapter... I keep saying Psalm chapter... I never say Psalm chapter 2, and I've done it like 18 times already. Psalm 2, verse 10, says, Therefore, you kings, be wise and be warned. Understand what's happening here. You rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate His rule with trembling. Kiss His Son, or He will be angry. And your way will lead to whose destruction? your destruction, and His wrath can flare up in a moment. So because of this, it ends with this, blessed are all who take refuge in Him. A refugee. We take refugee in this great, powerful God. Instead of running from Him because of His wrath and anger, we run to Him because God is not just an angry God. He is a good, forgiving, gracious Father as well. He's inviting us in. And once we are invited into and we accept that, then we become royalty. So that's the further progression from rebel to refugee. And now you're royalty, not just in refuge with God as He's protecting you, but you have benefits that come from being a child of God. Psalm chapter 2. You heard it, didn't you? <laughs> Psalm 2.7 uh, says this, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Now this is a really cool verse. I had to do some research on this one. 
And this one is a very messianic, and it's talking about how Jesus, you are my son, today I become your father. One of the older translations says, I have begotten you. You're my begotten son. So it's talking about Jesus. So looking at it from another angle, this one makes a lot of sense to me. If I am God's child, that remains true whether I acknowledge Him as my father or not. And so at what point in my relationship do I say, you know what, God, you are my father, and I'm going to live like it. I'm going to live like royalty. So this is the train of thought I went on is, do I live as a rebel, as a child of God? Do I live as a refugee where I'm just kind of in, in fear, cowering in his presence and saying, thank you for saving me, protect me? Or am I walking in victory as a royal child of God, as a co-heir with Christ? So I have become... His child. He has become my father in my eyes. So he says, uh, there's this, all these things that come with that. And this is talking about Jesus here. He says, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron, and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. And this is very stark, powerful language. And it's not something that's easy to read because you think, you know, Jesus is coming there just busting stuff up and, you know, knocking people around or whatever he's doing and just laying down the law. Well, we talked about in spiritual warfare that when it comes to, especially in demonic warfare, where we're praying against evil spirits that are tormenting us and confusing us, that we don't show them mercy. We say, God, confuse them, torment them, and, and send them away. And so there's this understanding that God will have nothing to do with evil, that He will ruin evil. He will destroy it. And the good news is, as His children, we are not part of that. For God, in verse uh, 9 and through 11, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's good to understand that God has appointed us not for His wrath, but for salvation. For He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. The reason we're not appointed is because Jesus was appointed for us. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Last week, I don't think I said this in the sermon, but last week, I think it was, the word encourage literally means to place courage into someone. It, it, you're giving them courage. And that is something that is prevalent uh, and, and necessary for our lives, that we need to be encouraging one another with this, Jesus died for you. This is good news, that we would live together with Him, that you would receive salvation in the Lord, and I am going to live as royalty. And then later on in that same chapter, it said, Paul winds up this letter like this. He says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. So we're getting back to that control variable. How are my relationships benefiting from me? How am I adding value? How am I encouraging everybody that's in relationship with me? Do I encourage them or do I discourage them? Am I elevating myself in their presence so that I feel better measured against them? Am I using them for my own glory? For my own selfish reasons? Or am I looking to build them up? That is a huge question to answer. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. This sanctifying 
means that you're growing. You're becoming something new. The old is dying and the new is being born. May this God sanctify you through and through, all the ways that may your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. I need to click that. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So this is the encouragement that we give to one another. Jesus is faithful. He's going to sanctify you. and He will finish what he started. He will do what he sets out to do. Have you ever thought that, um, that I can't talk about that or, or I can't say, I have no room to judge, all right? Because I used to struggle with this. I used to struggle with that. I was talking with someone last week and they said, you know, I, I used to X, Y, Z and I feel like a hypocrite. I said, well, do you still do those things? No, but I mean, I used to. I still feel bad over it. Well, that's not what a hypocrite is. I want to give some freedom this morning to all of us. A hypocrite is not someone who used to do something and no longer does that. It's not, so I used to do whatever, right? Just fill in the blank. That's who I used to be. Now I am not doing that. I am free. And I say, what I used to do was wrong. And I can sit here and say, those who are doing that, that's a sin. That's wrong. That's not God's plan. It's okay to say that. I'm not being hypocritical. A hypocrite is someone who is actively doing that thing while condemning it. If I were still doing those things and then saying it was wrong, but still doing it, that is what a hypocrite is. So the enemy likes to play games with us and, and keep us powerless to say, you can't talk about that because of your past. Nope, that's not true at all. You're not disqualified because of your past. Jesus has forgiven you of that. And if you've confessed that sin, then God has given you freedom over that. And you should live as royalty not as someone who's either a rebel or a refugee who is just barely saved by God's grace. You walk with your chin up and your shoulders back and you say, yeah, that's what I used to do, but that is not who I am today. I am a child of God and I walk with royalty. God is faithful because of what He is, His death. I am no longer condemned in my sin. God is faithful and He will do it. Connecting people to Jesus and one another. The best way for me to have healthy relationships is for me to be the healthiest version of myself. And that is to let God sanctify me through and through. And so in my prayer life, and I encourage you this week too, Lord, change me to be more like you. As I read, as I read the scriptures, help me avoid those traps to say, boy, I wish, I wish Johnny would read this. Or my kids sure do need to read this. Well, I know who, who should, I should send this to them right now because they really need it. Now, if it's a condemning thing, that, yeah, that's, not, that's not the Jesus telling you to do that. If it's an encouraging thing, yeah. This is awesome. This is really ministering to me. You know what? I bet awesome would love to hear this. Look at that verse. That is an encouragement. But those, those things where God does the correcting and the sanctifying, I just encourage you to go deeper with that because the more God uncovers uh, in your heart to where you think, dang, that's pretty nasty. I didn't realize I had that bad of a thought in there. The more He uncovers it, the deeper His grace goes. And the more changed you are, the more like Christ you become, and the healthier you will be, and the healthier the people around you will be. Let's pray. Lord, we bless You. We love You. We want to thank You so much for Your goodness and Your faithfulness. And we ask, God, that You would help us to become who only You can create us to be. That You would sanctify us, 
through and through, that our spirit, soul, and body would be blameless in the day that you return, and that we, God, would continue over and over to find ourselves trusting in you, the faithful one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.